I'm going to continue our Advent with the reading of Luke 2, 22 through 35. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was devout, righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought, the, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Thanks, Gabe. And thanks to the kids. Uh, special thanks to the uh, adults, too, who have been working with the kids and helping them to get ready uh, for Sarah and for her team. It's, uh, it's awesome. They did a great job. Didn't they do a great job? That was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, I heard a study the other day, or a while back, on uh, they, they did a study on what are the best ki- gifts for kids, kids to open at Christmas. What are the best ones? And the study, I was a little disappointed, it, it kind of was less about the gifts and more about like having the experience of opening presents. And after this extensive academic study of all these kids' experiences, the recommendation was the presents that take the longest to actually get open are the best ones. <laughs> right, so you could take an empty box and, and wrap it with a whole bunch of layers. So it takes a long time to get it out, and that's the best present. So that's just a, a tip for you parents. If you haven't figured out what to get yet, it doesn't matter. Just wrap it really, really well. So it takes a long time to open, and your kids will be delighted for about 40 seconds um, with you. <laughs> but as we talk about Christmas, think about that coming up in the next week. The gift we don't want to miss is the gift of Jesus, the gift of God's only son that he has come and given to us. Um, I appreciate the kids giving us a little bit of the story. Uh, We've got the background of the story through the Old Testament of all of these promises and all these people and all these stories leading up to the hope that Jesus Christ would come. And be born and live and die and, and make a real difference in this world. And then the Christmas stories, you might be familiar with some of them. They're stories about angels coming and visiting Mary to let her know 
God has chosen you to, to carry and deliver and raise his one and only son. Amazing. And, and the story about these, these shepherds that are out quietly watching their sheep in the in a field at night. We're going to look at that next week and all the angels who come and, and, and announce to them, it's happened. This child has been born. There's some really great stories. There's the story of the Magi. That, they actually come later. Uh, they start their journey, though, to find Jesus. And with all of these great stories that happen, there's this little story tucked in the middle that we don't want to miss today. The story about an old man named Simeon. This story that uh, Gabe just read for us is actually the story of Jesus' baby dedication. Uh, we had a child dedication in church here a few months ago, and there are kids on the stage, and we dedicate them to the Lord. We didn't come up with that idea. Uh, that wasn't Darius's idea. I, mean, I think it might have been his idea to have it the, here at that time. But we didn't invent that idea. That's an old idea. And we see it happening there. In the Old Testament, the rule was that you would come with your firstborn child and you would give that child to the Lord. Can you imagine the impact? Instead of saying, hey, we finally got our child that we wanted. No, we, we, we recognize that this child is a gift from God, and we come and we give him back to the Lord. And the law required that to do that, you would bring a lamb and a bird to be sacrificed. The lamb to be sacrificed, that its blood would be spilled to show that this child, as sweet and innocent as they appear to be, will soon prove to you that they were actually born into a sinful race and inherited that sin and will have that sin problem that separates them from God and from others and will need blood to cover that sin. That law that required they bring a lamb also had a provision in it for the poor. There was a tiered pricing option. If you were poor and you couldn't afford a lamb, you could just bring two birds. And here in this story of Jesus' baby dedication, we see Joseph and Mary coming to the temple with what? With the baby Jesus and two birds. It doesn't explain the background, but it's clear. They were poor. They couldn't afford to bring a lamb. And they probably didn't realize in a way they were. Because as they brought baby Jesus to the temple, here they come with the Lamb of God as his cousin John the Baptist would call him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That one day Jesus' blood would be spilled to not just kind of cover over sin for a while, but to wash it away. For people like me and like you, that the sacrifice of the Lamb of God would be our salvation. So they come and they present Jesus with these two, with these two birds, and, and that's where we meet this old guy named Simeon. He's an old man. Uh, we learn just a little tiny bit about him. He seems to be alone, but we learn that he's faithful. 
and that he's got this close relationship with God and that he's been waiting. It's interesting because we learn from him, we learn about him in the story that Simeon had the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit and he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit prompted him that day, hey, go to the temple today. Maybe even told him, today's the day, go to the temple. But he, he listened to that. Now that's pretty remarkable because as New Testament Christians, we know that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on everyone who believes. We're sealed with the Spirit. Uh, we're marked as God's family by the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit in us, rich, poor, male, female, everybody. But that wasn't true yet. In Simeon's day, it was rare for someone to have the Holy Spirit in them. That was something God only did when, when he picked someone and had a special job for them to do, to do, like to be a prophet or to be a king. And so he'd give his Holy Spirit to help you do that really well for him and for his people. And here he gave his Holy Spirit to this old guy so that he would live in seclusion, waiting, waiting, waiting for God to fulfill his promise by delivering to Israel a savior. There was no big, he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't known, he was just a quiet older guy who was just waiting, waiting for God to finally bring the consolation or the comfort to Israel, for God to finally reveal his Savior. And as Joseph and Mary come and they bring Jesus, it's pretty cool, because he's there and, and he realizes who he is, and, and he has this opportunity to hold Jesus in his arms. How many of you really like to hold newborn babies in your arms? Real little ones. Really like that. That is one of my favorite things I've gotten to do is go visit people when they have a child and hold that child. And they're like, you know how to do this. I'm like, yeah, I've done this a couple times before. It's fun. It's, it's, it's really cool. There's something precious. There's life. But for Simeon, it was, it was more than that. Because he knew he was holding the Son of God. He knew it. And, and he makes this statement that really is revealing to us. He says, now I can die in peace. It's like he find, he's holding this child and he just said, in, in modern terms, he looks into the eyes of Jesus and he says, best day ever. Like we've had a lot of good days, but I've never had one like this and I never will again. My it's such a great experience to hold the Son of God. My life is complete. My life is complete. Every day of Simeon's life before that moment was a day of looking forward in hopeful anticipation for one day finally seeing God's salvation. And every day after that day was a day of remembering with joy and peace and contentment that he got to hold God's son just for a moment. Wasn't it awesome? 
I love that. As Simeon is holding God's Christmas present to him, the baby Jesus, how precious he views that experience. And it just today, briefly, wanted to just share with you, from thinking about that story, I want to share with you a thought. I want to share with you a formula. And then I want to leave you with a challenge. Okay, a thought, a formula, and a challenge. And here's the thought. The thought is not a complicated thought. It's a really simple thought. It's a really simple thought that I, need, I needed to be reminded of. And it's simply the thought that Christmas is about Jesus. It's the thought. Christmas is about Jesus. I have to confess about two weeks ago, I sat, at a, I had a, a gathering with, um, there were about a, a dozen pastors of churches right in our area, uh, sister churches, it was the Free Church Pastor Cluster meeting, and we're sitting in a living room and we're just talking about this idea of how do you experience Christmas as a pastor? What does Christmas mean to you as a pastor? Like it's a little bit different, you know? What is it like? And I, I just confess to that group, I struggle sometimes with being a little bit cynical. Because I look around and it just seems so shallow and so plastic and so, you know, all the stuff of Christmas that I, I get a little bit tired of it sometimes. Um, and, and sometimes that, that tiredness of it, it comes into play, and I put Jesus in that context, and somebody says, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> That's what I'm tempted to do. I'm tempted almost to be like, oh, I just don't want to, I just don't, you know, I want to find another way to focus on Jesus, because that whole thing. And it was so encouraging to just hear the rest of them share and, and really to see that in a lot of ways they find so much joy and life in celebrating the birth of Christ that God came to live with us. And I thought, I'm missing that. I need to hear that from them. Um, and that's what pulled me to this passage because I needed the reminder. You're just along for the ride. I needed the reminder that Christmas is about Jesus and he's worth celebrating. Like Simeon, he, he he didn't see all the trappings and all the, 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 the silly things in life around him. He looked forward to holding a baby, and he got to do it because he was the Son of God who came to save the world, and he was filled with joy until he died. Man, just the opposite of where my heart was two weeks ago. I'm like, I need Simeon right now. We need to find ways to remember that Christmas is all about Jesus. You probably have some ways or some traditions or things that you do to help like, put Jesus in the center of your Christmas. Do you have something that you do, just a, a simple idea or something? N not a rhetorical question, actually. What do you do uh, in your own heart, personally, or in your family to help remember that, to, to keep Jesus central during this time of year? For Christmas, what do you do? Like, oh, I, I didn't know this was a dialogue. <laughs> For a moment, this is a dialogue. Okay, read the Christmas story on Christmas morning. Great. Right, before we grab the presents and stuff, it's like, no, we're going to think about Jesus. Good.
Oh, you have the toy nativity, the Fisher Price one. It's a classic. I highly recommend it. The toy nativity, they get to move around, and then you have like a little Lego ninja in there next to the baby Jesus. Like, I don't know if that's safe, but it's a it's a great it's a great one. We did the same thing. Sam. <laughs> okay, good, good. Reading an Advent devotional together as a family. Excellent. Anything else? There's all kinds of ways. You know, even, even like the family stuff to do is really great. Sometimes I also need something for me to keep my heart focused on Jesus. Um, most years, I'll listen through Handel's Messiah. You can pull it up on Spotify or whatever. If you're not sure what that is, it's like this concert that's hundreds of years old. Look up the story of Handel's Messiah. This, this musician was told, hey, the, we, you're commissioned to write a thing. And he only had like a few weeks to get this done. And he wrote one of the most beautiful uh, collection of music that's ever been written. The Hallelujah Chorus is just one little piece of this whole thing. It's amazing. And I'll often just pull it up on Spotify and, and listen to it uh, during this, this week. And just because there's, there's scripture in there, something to just help me put my heart connected to the heart of Jesus. So that's my thought today that Christmas is actually about Jesus. And it's worth like being really intentional to find a way to knit our hearts to that. Um, that's my thought. The formula. Uh, Math is kryptonite to me. Um, it's really bad, like, to me. It's my brain doesn't work that way. Some of you are just like, that's why, you're, that's why I need you guys, because I need you math people, because um, I'm not. Um, but, so I made a formula. It's this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's my formula. Jesus plus nothing, or you can reverse it, say nothing plus Jesus equals everything. And I really saw this in the life of Simeon. I really saw this because here's a guy, we, he seemed to have nothing. We don't see that he had family. We don't see that he was wealthy. We don't see that he had anything. He just was waiting for Jesus. And when he had Jesus in his arms, he had everything. He was complete. Wow. What a great lesson for us. That's true of us as well. When we try to add, like, yeah, Jesus is great, but I also need, boy, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great to also have this, to get this raised this year, to get this new job, to move, to have this thing. And it's fine to want other things. But if those things start sharing the plate and taking up Jesus' space in my heart, now we're in trouble because Jesus doesn't share space. He'll let us, he'll let us have affection for other things besides him. He's jealous for that, but he doesn't make us worship him. We can replace Jesus easily and we miss him. We, or we, we have a full plate and we think, and you've seen people do this, we think, well, my life's clicking along okay. I think if I add a little Jesus, almost like I'm putting seasoning on my food, to make the, what I have a little bit better, then I'll, my life will be even better. It doesn't work that way. 
Jesus is our main dish. He's everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When it's Jesus plus something else, all we end up with is the other thing. And we go, Jesus doesn't fulfill me. He wants the full, our full attention, our full focus. You think about Joseph and Mary. What, what did Joseph and Mary have? Everything. They, had, they had two birds. They, that's good observation from the text. But then they gave the birds to the temple, so then they didn't. That's good. I mean, here's a young couple. They were poor. They had each other, but they were also had some struggles. Um, they, just, they, had, they had a promise. They had the Old Testament promises. Mary and they'd had angels actually come and specify the promise to them. And they held on to that until it was fulfilled in this baby in Christ. And that's all they had. You know, and Simeon the same way. And I, I think this is pretty cool. As Christians, we can live as ridiculously content people. We don't need other stuff. Our relationship with Christ is everything. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He really is all we need. And it's an important message to remember this time of year, because with Christmas and all the other stuff and Christmas lists and all that, it's easy to, to think that we'll just add Jesus to it too and forget that he is the central focus. He is the glory of God. He's our salvation. So the thought, the formula, and finally, just a simple challenge. It's just a simple challenge. Um, to, before I say it, uh, I know some of you might have a phone handy. Um, pull it out and turn the flashlight on. Yep, just, just turn it on. Yep. Hold it there, wave it around, whatever you want to do. Simeon said, and the, the challenge is to do with, with shine the light of Jesus. That's not the light of Jesus. It's just to help you remember. <laughs> it's a visual aid. <laughs> shine the light of Jesus. When Simeon got to hold Jesus, listen to what he said. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of of all nations, a light of, for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Man, it's like seven references to, to this light shining out. Like, I'm holding the light. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. And he said, let your light shine forth so that people would see him in you and glorify the Father Jesus is the light of the world. He was the, the light sent from God to reveal, to shine, to open our eyes to who God is and how we could know him. To show us the hope that he brings. To light the path for a different way to live. To walk in his glory and in his grace. And Simeon rejoiced in it. And so that falls to us to be like Simeon and just proclaim the light. Proclaim that Jesus is the light. Find some way 
to shine the light of Jesus. He is the light of salvation for the Gentiles. He came, a Jew, to save all Israel. Uh, and we, we talk about that sometimes, but he came to like blow the lid off of that and bring salvation to the whole world. And that includes your next-door neighbor, includes your kids, it includes your cousin, you know, anybody who God's put you around that doesn't know Jesus, you get to shine the light of Jesus by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the words we share, by the love that we show. Shine the light of Jesus this Christmas. Find a way, find a way to point to let someone else see Christ is my hope. He is my salvation. He is everything to me. With him, I am content. Without him, I have nothing. Let's be like Simeon. And just hold that, cherish that baby. Think about him and shine his light this holiday season. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the light of Christ and for this incredible gift that was given to Simeon that day as he waited so long and you didn't forget him, but you, you gave him your spirit to make sure that he would see your promise fulfilled, that he would even know which day to get up and go to the temple, that he would be ready, that he would have the opportunity to take Jesus into his arms and see your salvation. And Father, you have literally given every one of us the same opportunity. You've given us your child that we can accept. You've given us your spirit to help us remember Jesus, to see him well, and to center our lives around him. And Father, I pray that just this week, getting ready for Christmas, that you would remind us that Jesus is everything, that we hold him, cherish him, and shine his light. In his glorious name we pray. Amen.